What's up, y'all? Welcome back to the Lacrosse Bucket Podcast. Tanner Demling here with y'all, as always. Um, before we get to the weekend preview here, do you want to um, just talk a bit about some news that I dropped uh, yes, yeah, yesterday um, pertaining to the NCAA tournament or championship uh, weekend, I should say. So, uh, Gillette Stadium, which is in Foxborough, Massachusetts, the home of the New England Patriots, has submitted a proposal to host all six men's and women's lacrosse championships in 2023, 2024, 2025, and 2026. So um, the NCAA's decision for this proposal should come out in October. That's usually when uh, they drop the future sites for lacrosse. Um, the future sites, so this year is in Philadelphia again. And then it is in Connecticut, um, in Hartford at Rensselaer Field, where they had the uh, quarterfinals last year. I believe they have them there again this year, um, but I'll have to check on that. Uh, so the men's 2021-2022 will be at Rensselaer Field in Hartford, Connecticut. Uh, 2021 and 2022 women's will be in the Baltimore area. Um, I say Baltimore area because one will be at Towson, um, Johnny United Stadium, and the 2021-2022 will be at Homewood Field. Um, I've, I've gotten a, a lot of kind of feedback on that and what... So first off, if that proposal is accepted, it would be the biggest... Um, NCAA lacrosse weekend in history, having the Division One, Division Two, II, Division Three men's and women's championships all in the same place. Um, now, one thing like someone asked is, would they have the same format? Um, like how when the games are played? I believe they would. Um, they would probably have to do because the men's semis are historically it's been men's semis on on a Saturday Sundays the D D3 and D2 championships and Monday is uh, the division one championship um, so if they switch that up uh, we can possibly possibly see a night game. Um, I know the women's, they have played that on a Friday before, I believe. Um, so, I mean, you could possibly see, and it, uh, I, I'm guessing the D2, D3, men's and women's, um, would just be the championship game, not the semifinals. Um, but D1 men's and women's would probably be both. So you could possibly see you know, women's on Friday, men's on Saturday. Um, they could do a Sunday 
game because right now they have the men's and women's in the same location usually. Um, or they have in the past, but it's been at a different location. Um, I remember a few years ago they did the women's wherever the Philadelphia, uh, where the soccer team plays, the MLS team, they played that there um, a few years ago while the men played at Lincoln Financial Field. So, um, something to sit on there and think about concerning the NCAA tournament. And, of course, it's kind of sparked a debate um, amongst people around stadium sizes and what size stadiums we need and um, why is it always in the Northeast and all, all, all of that. All of that fun, good talk that uh, we always see when those kinds of things come out. And um, that I, I, I've talked to some people about it. And, like, the, the one thing I will say about um, – the growing the game thing that people always seem to argue with as to why they shouldn't just have it in the Northeast. Um, okay, let, let me let, let me just say this. How many Division One teams are west of the Mississippi River? How many D1 teams are west of the Mississippi's? Mississippi? Three. Denver, Air Force, and Utah. It doesn't make fiscal sense for the NCAA to host it west of the Mississippi. I had someone tell me they need to bring it to Cali. There are no Division One men's teams in California. Yes, USC has a women's program. Uh, the Pac-12 has women's lacrosse. Um, so if you're talking about having them all at one time together at the same um, venue, then yes, you can make that argument. But historically, they've been separate. This is the first time that it would be together. And again, most of the teams that make it there are from the East Coast on both sides. So it, it, it just does not make sense. And, uh, well, yeah, lacrosse is a global game now. It's not just in these little pockets. These little pockets are still very, very strong in terms of talent, in terms of numbers, um, in relation to, you know, in comparison to other areas. You know, down here in the south where I am, it's very kind of sparse, you know, Louisville has a good lacrosse community. Nashville, Memphis is growing. Atlanta is huge. Uh, the Miami, Fort Lauderdale, really the whole, the whole state of Florida um, is really, really good. The Carolinas, you have different pockets. Um, so it's not really unison in a sense. Like when you get to the East Coast, it's kind of – it's not all over like some people think it is, but it's in more places than it's not um, in comparison to down here in the south. And out west as well. A lot of that has to do with how the cities, are, how things are laid out, but um, overall, it's just, it's not there yet. You know, uh, 10 years from now, could I see 
maybe a championship, be out west, fine. I'd be fine with that. Um, I think if if you're going to have it out west, though, like Denver is the place to do it. Um, Denver is the place to do it. I would love to see him have it down down here in the south. Um, I I think Atlanta, Mercedes Benz Stadium. I've been there one time, and that place. Um, I, I think that would be a really cool venue to have the NCAA championship at. Um, so you know that 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 would be something. Something to think about, but I think, and like they're having the quarterfinals in the Midwest um, coming up here pretty soon. I believe Notre Dame and Ohio State are hosting it um, back to back years. I believe that's 2021, 2022. I can't remember which years, um, uh, which uh, venue, but I know Ohio State and Notre Dame are both hosting quarterfinals uh, coming up in the next few years. And we've had quarterfinals out west before, I believe, in Denver. Um, it did pretty well there. Um, so going back to Denver, I would not be opposed to it. But in terms of the NCAA's eyes, they look at where are these schools coming from? East Coast. So why would we have it in California or Texas or Washington? Or even, like I said, Atlanta. Why would you have it there? It doesn't really make much sense at the moment. I would love to see it make sense. I would love to see that. Honestly, I think everyone would. But for right now, you know, Gillette Stadium has been a has been a, uh, a good venue for the championships. I know I've seen... A lot of support for it to be back then with that proposal that I mentioned. Um, got a lot of messages over the past day um, considering that, saying this needs to happen. This is going to be fantastic. Uh, most of it on the women's side because the women have usually had to play at a different venue, and I think they kind of um, feel little mistreated by that or whatever you want to call it. So that would be cool to have everything under one roof. But digressing from that, getting into uh, what's going down this weekend, um, big weekend on deck, both in the NLL and in the NCAA. And uh, so let's let's get right to it here, Um, starting off things, as always, in the National Lacrosse League. So in the NLL, um, we've reached reached week 13. Season's flying by as always. Um, Big weekend on deck as mentioned. So starting things off on Friday, Toronto Rock at the Halifax Thunderbirds. A matchup between two two 6-2 teams. A big one there. Also an Altona Cup matchup. As well, uh, then on Saturday, and that one is at 6 p.m. On Saturday, we have a 2.30 p.m. Eastern Time game. Vancouver at San Diego. So that's about, what, noon their time? Um, 
Let me make sure that's this. Um, this is off the NLR website right here. But let's that 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 seems a little early for um, considering they're on the West Coast. Huh? Yeah, two thirty p.m. Eastern time is what the NLR website says. Um. Yeah, so I, I guess that's 2.30 p.m. I, I'd not seen that um, before getting on here. Um, early one for Vancouver and San Diego. Uh, should be a, a, a good one as well. We'll talk about all these games <clears throat> in a minute here. Um, Saskatchewan at Philadelphia. A battle between two. Number one teams, um, Philadelphia's number one in the East Division. Who would have thunk it? Saskatchewan is number one in the West Division. Predictable uh, preseason. With the success they've had. Rochester at New England. That one is also on Saturday. And Calgary at Georgia as well. All three of those last games are 7 p.m. Toronto and Halifax is 6 p.m. Eastern Time on Friday. Now, concerning some of these games this weekend. So, you know, I think... When I look at this schedule, I think there's probably three games to circle. And that would be Toronto, Halifax, Saskatchewan, Philadelphia, Calgary, Georgia. Would probably be the three games that you circle. I think Vancouver, San Diego can... End up being a good game. Rochester, New England can as well. Certainly, the way things have been going this season. Um, expect the unexpected. Expect the unexpected. That's kind of the mindset I go into each week with now. Um, <clears throat> but when you know, look at this Toronto Halifax game, and you have two teams that are kind of coming off different scenarios. So Halifax, obviously, they're back at home here. After taking their first home loss um, since moving to Halifax over the summer, they lose to Saskatchewan in overtime. Mike Messenger with that uh, game-winning goal, diving goal in transition to put it away. Halifax had that amazing comeback. Now, Toronto is coming off a pretty big win over Vancouver. They've had some guys missing this year. Um, Schreiber's been banged up. Adam Jones hasn't uh, been in the lineup all year. And really, it's been a different kind of offense. Rob Hellier's taken um, kind of a bigger role. He had a sock trick last week uh, Last week against Vancouver. Uh, Nick Rose has been has, has kind of... They'll help them win every single game this year they have. I think Nick Rose has kept them in some games earlier in the season where the offense might not have been clicking um, as well as they would have liked to. Nick Rose has really kept this team 
in the many games. Um, and honestly, like both of these teams here, I've been very impressed with this season with just how well they have come together and really how guys have stepped up. And honestly, I think for both teams, it's a situation where anyone can step up on any given night. Because, and, you know, looking to this Halifax team, first off, I mean, obviously, you have Cody Jamison, who, one of the best in the business, has been for a while now. But you also have Ryan Banesh and Stephen Keogh. The rookie, Clark, uh, Clark Peterson, has played very well. And then one of the, I don't want to say surprises, but one of, one of the guys I've been really impressed with this season is Mike Burke. Um, he has 20 assists on the season this year. And this is really only his second full year in the league. Um, we played 11 games in Colorado back in 2016, but and then was kind of up and down in the ALL for a bit. Um, played with Rochester in 2019, uh, full-time there, and uh, a full season with them, pretty much. Put up 27 assists last year. He's just seven away from his... Uh, Assist totals from last year. He had six or uh, 15 goals last season. He has six this year. He's really been kind of the facilitator for that offense. Um, and when you have a guy like him that is th- that can move the ball as well as he does with some sharpshooters like a Cody Jamison, Ryan Banesh, Steve, all these guys around you, I mean, this is a team. And I've said it from the beginning, this is a team that can go pretty far. Now, with that said, we've seen stretches this year. We saw it against Saskatchewan. Heck, we saw week one against New York. Halifax is a team that will go on these long runs where they they, they just can't get much going. They can't get anything going on. We saw that last weekend, and they were almost able to come back from it. And I've been saying all year... That's going to come back to bite them. That's going to come back to bite them. And it has on multiple occasions. I believe, um, let's pull the schedule. What? Halifax, so they're both six and two. I believe Halifax's only two losses. Are to I want to say Colorado and Saskatchewan. So two Western Conference teams. They haven't even lost in their division yet. Um, it was a divisional game. Also, by the way, did not mention that earlier. Um, so big one, big one <clears throat> all around um, here. So their two losses have been to. Okay, yes, to, okay, Toronto and Saskatchewan. That's right. They came back against Colorado and got that one. They lost to Toronto two weeks ago. Um, so that one, uh, this is also a, a rematch there. Yep, yeah, I remember that one now. Welcome to the score sheet here. Uh, similar thing, Toronto went on a pretty big run there. Um, 
and Trelano. I mean, when you look at some of the guys they have, obviously Dan Dawson is is, is one of the best in the business um, and has been for, what, like 20 years now. Um, anytime you have him on your offense, um, I, th- I think you have a chance to win the game. Um, and, and he's been a revelation for the, for that team this year, really, um, especially with guys like Kim McCardle not you know, lo- losing him in the expansion draft. Um, and I mentioned Rob Hellyer earlier. He's been very, very good for this team. Uh, Zach Manns, the rookie, has been impressive as well. Uh, Challen Rogers, we know what he can do. You know, maybe more known for his defensive ability, but he's really stepped it up. Um, as he has over the past couple of years, he's been stepping it up more and more on the offensive end. He's really stepped it up. Uh, he had a really good game offensively last week as well. Um, so honestly, this one here is probably, for me, one of the most intriguing games just because I think any team can win it. Um, both teams aren't necessarily hot right now. Halifax coming off a loss. But Toronto, I mean, last weekend was probably the most complete game of the season. And coming off that, they're going to be looking to come into the nest in Halifax and really give it to them. Um, the Halifax defense has got to be able to step up. And we saw that kind of happen last weekend where they weren't able to step up. And, yeah, Graham Hossick is a great defenseman. And um, But those times when he might be the only one that's doing really anything. Uh, I saw him take his brother uh, take his brother down a bit there. Uh, that was a that was a fun sight to see their little brotherly love. Um, and Warren Hill has, has been impressive in, in, in net all year. But uh, Peter Dubinsky, they put him in last week. He gets... Um, you know, he gets the loss in that one. He only play, he hasn't even played four, uh, 15 minutes all season yet. Um, oh, excuse me, he hasn't played. He's only played 30 minutes all season. Um, and so he and he's he's still a young guy, very young goaltender. Um, so we'll see what happens with this one. Um, should be a very very good matchup between two teams that can really light up the scoreboard and also, as I mentioned, have some really good uh, pieces on the back end that can uh, cause some trouble. Um, Vancouver and San Diego. The w- one thing I'll say about this one is so San Diego, they lost to Colorado last weekend and um, you know, Sandy, I don't think the San Diego team, and obviously the not having Austin Stotts for almost half the season, really until uh, Vegas, did not help them at all. Um, Westberg has been good. Connor Fields has been good. But they just haven't had that depth that they had last year um, with some of the injuries. And, you know, when you look at their situation and goal, I think that's something that you, you know, raises some eyebrows. Um, you know, Peter Dubensky has uh, talking Halifax here. No, we're talking San Diego. Um, Nick Demood has played very well. 
recently. But they went with Frank Siliano in this one. They started him. Um, Demood came in and played in that second half. Uh, they pulled Siliano in the third. And I'm kind of wondering if they're going to go back to Demood in this one. Um, just because of how... And, I mean, what, no, Siliano, until maybe he gets everything um, together, until he gets 100% back. Um, but he did not look good last weekend um, against Colorado. And I think Vancouver, while you know, many may see them as kind of an, and maybe an easier opponent, um, they're, certainly, you know, they're certainly a team that has been proven to uh, they'll, sh- they'll strike when the iron's hot. And, um, you know, they, San Diego cannot afford to get another another loss um, this weekend. I mean, they are, they are in last place here in the West at 3-6. and six. Um, If you would have told me that in December or when the season started, that San Diego would be three and six heading into week thirteen. I don't think I would have believed you. Um, and obviously, you know, you knew Austin Stotts wasn't going to be there for a while. But man, this is it's it's been a tough season for San Diego. They started they started off zero and three. They I mean they beat Vancouver um, in their last meeting. <laughs> believe it was yeah their last meeting eleven to ten. Um, in overtime, uh, Brody Mill put it, had the game winner there um, against Vancouver and OT. So, uh, you know, they'll be looking to get to get their second one over Vancouver. But uh, just with the inconsistency in goal, I think kind of raises some eyebrows there. So wondering what um, they are going to do in that situation. Saskatchewan and Philadelphia. I mentioned kind of two complete teams earlier with Toronto and Halifax. Um, you got two here as well. Um, two hot teams here coming in, both coming off wins. Uh, Saskatchewan, you know, I wrote my what to watch last weekend, uh, last week. That Saskatchewan needed to get off to a hot start because they do not have, uh, I believe they have one bye week or maybe. Might be no bye weeks left. Either one, it, it might be one. I don't have the schedule right in front of me, but they've got a long stretch to end this season here. Um, you know, they had two bye weeks in a row, and it is all go from here. So, you know, starting off hot last weekend, getting that OT win, uh, being able to to subdue the Halifax comeback, I think it was a big effort from the Saskatchewan defense. And, um, you know, when I mean in Philadelphia, you know, they have really surprised many this season. Matt Lambeau had a sock trick last weekend. Um, first career one uh, for Lambeau, who I think you could make the argument. And I'm not coming out and saying this, but you could make the argument that Matt Lambeau is the best player on the planet right now. Um, you know, do I believe that? No, but you could make the argument for it just for what he's done over the past year. So, 
uh, both in the box and the field game. And hey, he's still figuring out the box game as well, and he's already this good, um, and they're able to rely on him more than they did last year. I think he's been really good this year. Um, and just there's a whole host of guys um, for Philadelphia, and some of those injuries they had last year, you know, that people uh, that have been mentioned is and in, in, in well documented. You know, this is a team that was was really decimated last year. Uh, by bad defensive play and some injuries, and they got they got, they got some of those guys back. Um, everyone they're, they're playing cohesively. Um, and this is a it's gonna be a fun game. This is this is gonna be a fun game. Um, <clears throat> Halifax, excuse me, uh, Saskatchewan against Halifax last weekend. They got the offense just chugging early. Um, so we'll see if they can do that again. Um, Philadelphia, you know, they went into the casino on Sunday and sucked down New England. And they also, who do they beat? Slip my mind right now. Who do they, they beat? Uh, Buffalo. And a very defensive heavy battle on Saturday. They won their first back to back. And I believe the franchise history. I don't think they won a back-to-back last year. They did that again this year. Um, and Philadelphia, really, against Buffalo, won on a big run midway through the game. That kind of sealed the deal. And, yeah, Buffalo was you – know, they, they, they were without a number of guys. Um, Dane Smith – a couple other guys as well um, slipped my mind right now, but they were pretty on on the low end um, because of some injuries. And you know, New England has been a good team all year. And Philadelphia, they hey they hey they got they got payback <laughs> um, for that loss a few weeks ago where. Um, to me, it looked like, to me, it looked like Calum Crawford's foot was on the crease. What was in the crease, but they didn't have the correct camera angle in the Mohegan Sun Casino, so they couldn't look at it. Um, but Philadelphia got, got the payback last weekend. Uh, we'll see if they can keep things going here against Saskatchewan, who... I still think it's going to be, I know they kind of maybe started a bit slower than they wanted to, but mentioned they're kind of, they have a real long end to the season here. I still think Saskatchewan, um, you know, with guys like uh, Mug Matthews, you you can't ever bet against those guys. Ben McIntosh, Mike Messenger, um, just too many good, good guys. Um, Evan Cook has been good in goal, and Adam Shoot has played has played well uh, when called upon also. So, um, I, you know, I, this is going to be a tough one for Philadelphia. And, I mean, honestly, this is probably going to be probably going to be one of the better games. Um, no, I know last weekend we said Saskatchewan-Halifax was the best game of the season. If these two teams can play like we've seen them play all year at, at their peak, I think we could be in for one of the best games 
of the year. And I know I say that every single week, but it's just the way the season has gone. Uh, really, uh, and I'll say it again, expect the unexpected. Now, looking at these last two games of the weekend, uh, Rochester and New England. Um, New England, I kind of expect them to beat Rochester in this one. Um, Rochester, I've said it multiple times, is kind of... I feel like they've been right there so many times. I feel there's a lot of of similarities with last year's Philadelphia team and this year's uh, Rochester team. I'm obviously both expansion franchises, but I feel there's a lot of similarities. And you look at you look at what Rochester has done and kind of how they've improved week to week. I think it's a good progression. Um, Holden Gatoni has been, you know, by far the best player um, for the Nighthawks. Sean Evans has been. Very, very good as well, as expected. Um, I think I saw somewhere he's on par to break uh, John Tavares' like, scoring record. Obviously not this year, uh, but could be sometime uh, maybe three, four, five years down the road. If he's still playing then, um, I hope he is. Um, you know, Sean Evans has been... Uh, and uh, Holden Catoni and Sean Evans both have really shown their passing ability a lot this year, I feel like. Um, really complimenting each other. And you know, the Curtis Knight, Phil Caputo are getting in on the offensive end as well. So it's not just um, Evans and Catoni. Tony Evans has showed um, his, his ability, and so is Dan Wittner, as expected. Defensively, like I, and I'm, if you, I had Craig Wendy on the podcast a few um, weeks back, probably a month ago now, um, after they got that first win over Calgary, um, you know, and you got to ask him kind of about that, about the goaltender situation here in Rochester, and you know, you know, kind of mentioned to me like, yeah, you know, we're all can, you know, you know, him and Steve Fry, Ryan Hartley. Oh, you know, competing and, and and they all want to play, but um, you know they they uh, they know they can you know they they kind of motivate each other um, and and all of that. He's just you know kind of they have a good. It's not so much a competitive thing as it is just like we want to win. We want to you know we want to you know when you get your shot, you shine kind of thing, and uh, you know kind of, kind of having each other's back type thing. Just uh, being a good teammate. Um, overall is kind of what I got from that. Um, but like, and I'll say it's like, I, you know, Craig Wendy has the one win. Um, Steve Flyer has played well. Wendy has played well. Hartley's only gotten one. Uh, he's only gotten, how was it? One or two, like a game and maybe a quarter under his belt, I believe. Um, so yeah, he's, he's played two games this year uh, overall. Um, only one one game he played a lot, which is that blowout against Philadelphia when they got blown out there. Um, they had all that fighting at the end, but um, 
I think this is this is a situation I don't think. And I said this last year with with with, with Philadelphia was a big part of their defense is they didn't really have a set number one goalie. I think that at the end of the year we might see some movement here at at the goaltender spot in Rochester. Um just based on how things are going now. I think you can you can win with a two goalie system with a multi goalie system, but you have to do it right. If you don't do it the right way, it can implode on you. Um I think we've seen that kind of happen a bit in well, I think Rochester a bit last year with the old Nighthawks that are now the Thunderbirds in Halifax. Philadelphia last year and Vancouver last year, just ones that recently come to my mind. And we've seen Philadelphia and New and um Vancouver both solve those issues either in the offseason or this season with Vancouver releasing Aaron Bold and solidifying Eric Penny as the starter. So I, w- I wouldn't be too surprised if um we saw some movement there in the offseason, but uh, for right now, I don't know who they're going to start. But I mean, I Fryer or Wendy, I would I, I would expect to start and you know just see how they do because we and we know New England has a lot of weapons um, around them, you know, notably Count Crawford, but outside of him, they have some other guys. <clears throat> As well, that can uh, really put the ball in the back of the net all around. Um, you look at Joe Vesitaris, uh Andrew Q, who uh, rookie, Jordan Dostin, who he missed one game, I believe, thus far, um, and maybe hasn't been as impactful as some people thought he was going to be, um, but. No, still uh, has had a has had a decent season so far, um, and honestly, Calvin Crawford has Calvin Crawford. Like when you look at the point totals, Calvin Crawford is like almost twenty points above the next guy, which is Joe Vazitaris. Um So it's 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 kind of a disproportionate, but you're still getting put quality production from other guys like Vazitaris, Q LeBlanc. Um, and when you have that many guys that can put them back in the net and you have a goalie system like they do in Rochester that maybe keep make keeps the defense kind of in flux at times when you don't want it to be. Um, that's the one thing that raises issues with me in this game. I, I honestly just can't see Rochester winning this one, um, to be honest with y'all. Last game here... Um, and I believe it will be um, – I'm going to – well, let's check. I don't know if there's been anything about this yet, but I believe it will be the return of Dane Doby um, on Saturday. Um, yes, it is the retain, return of Dane Doby. Um, three months later, he is back. Um 85 days without Dane Doby um, after uh, getting suspended 
and what was that? Week two of the season, week one of the season. Uh, well, not not week one. What was that week two or three? It was when he got suspended. So he's been out. Um, they will travel down to Georgia, where they will take on the Swarm. And um, hey, man, Calgary. Hey, Dane Dobie's back, and Calgary needs him right now because they're sitting at three and four on the season right now, losing record. I think if they had him, some things would be different. I don't think they would have lost to Rochester. I think they would have won a number of these games that they have won, they've lost. Um, so having him back is obviously big. Um, we've seen Curtis Dixon kind of take on that role here um, as the guy. Uh, Jesse King has been out, and he has some injuries like that. Um, Lee's Dutch came back. So things are starting to kind of piece themselves together in Calgary. And are they going to be able to make a run here as we enter kind of the second half of the season? I think so. This is similar to what happened last year um, in terms of them making a run late. Now, they're already playing very good lacrosse before that. They've played good lacrosse this year as well, but you've been missing Dane Doby. So having him back is humongous for this team. Now, on Georgia's side, they want to keep winning. They got payback against New York last weekend. Um, man, they were, sh- they were sharing the sugar. Um, I've... It was probably one of the best displays of, like, team offense that I've seen. Um, Shane Jackson had six assists. He's leading them in, in scoring right now, 50 points on the season, 21 goals, 29 assists. Randy Stotts has started to find himself after um, starting the season not as strong as many would have hoped. Lyle Thompson, a lot of teams have been kind of keying in on him. Well, he can also pass the ball a bit as well. He's got 39 points, um, 19 goals, 20 assists. He's always been uh, getting a lot more goals recently um, in the recent weeks. He had a hat trick last weekend. Um, They just got so many guys that can kill you, honestly. Um, And then, like... They have, no, Lyle Thompson, obviously, is the best player on the planet. And I think, you know, he's a guy you could leave out there all game long, and he would probably play. He, you, you honestly could. He, leave him out there all game long if you want. He, he, he can make things happen on both ends. Um, and that's obviously the one guy that we're going to see Calgary uh, key in on. But the thing with that is, Cal, Calgary, you know, Kelly has a good, uh, a good solid defense. Um, obviously, Christian Del Bianco, uh, one of the best goaltenders in the league. You have a guy like Zach Collier that's a do it all guy as well. Um, Tyson Bell, Tyler Burton, Reese Cal- all, all of these kind of defensive guys. Eli Salama. Um, I, I wouldn't say Calgary's defense has been as good as they have been in the past, but 
do mention some of the injuries and losses on the offensive end that can impact defense as well. Um, so, yeah, I mean, just look at what both these teams can do. This is going to be it's going to be a good one um, down in Georgia on Saturday night. Again, to go over the NLL schedule for week 13. We kick things off on Friday, Toronto at Halifax, 6 p.m. Eastern Time. Saturday, Vancouver at San Diego, that's 2.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Saskatchewan at Philadelphia, Rochester at New England, Calgary at Georgia, all on Saturday as well, all at 7 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time. You know, one thing I forgot to mention here is what, 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 that Calgary, uh, well, I think a Calgary versus Georgia, I think of that game last year uh, when Mike Poulin went down and Calgary went off um, at the end there to win it. Uh, I believe Curtis Dixon had the game winner um, in that one, so it brings back memories um, of that game for me. I believe that one was up in Calgary um, for a good contest between those, obviously, Mike Poulin going down. Um, and then you kind of saw Georgia kind of fall off from there, but we're not that late in the season yet as uh, when they met last year. Um, I believe this is the first meeting of the season. So uh, a lot of good games this weekend. Um, as I'm going to mention this again, the three ones of the circle, I think. Toronto, Halifax, it's free to watch. I didn't I didn't mention this. Free to watch, game of the week, BO Live, Facebook, and Twitter. Saskatchewan, Philadelphia, and Calgary. Georgia would be my picks as three games that you got to circle, got to catch this weekend. If you're going to have three screens or two screens up at once, you can watch that one on Friday. You're going to have multi-screens up. I'd put on Saturday, I'd put uh, Saskatchewan, Philly, and Calgary, Georgia up on those two screens. All right, moving on to the NCAA here. Um, Week three in college lacrosse. And it's a big one. Um, Obviously, we had some big um, week week games um, on Tuesday. Uh, Recording this on a Wednesday here. Um, So... Obviously, yesterday we saw Marist upset Army. We saw Villanova upset Maryland. And we saw St. Joseph's upset Delaware. Fun, 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 uh, fun Tuesday night of lacrosse. Three, three Sports Center top tens in college lacrosse on a Tuesday night. Um, fantastic. I love to see it, guys. Um, you know, get awesome stuff. Absolutely awesome stuff. Heading into this weekend, though, um, it is a big weekend in college across. And it's only week three, y'all. It is a big weekend. Big weekend. I, I'm going to say it again. Big weekend. Big weekend. Huge, I might add. Um, 
things will start on, well, technically those two more, those one more midweek game, VMI at Lehigh on Thursday. Um, that'll be a Lehigh victory. Um, but Towson does play Cornell on Friday. That one is a game. <coughs> oh, jeez. That one is a game of interest there, Towson and Cornell. The Big Red will be traveling down to Towson. So that is one to watch. And as always, things get heated up on Saturday, a full slate, but we also have Sunday lacrosse as well. Sunday, well, yeah, Sunday night lacrosse. Um, Cleveland State and Denver. It's not the Big Ten Sunday night lacrosse yet, but guys, we are getting there. We're getting there. It's it's progressing slowly, but we will soon have Sunday night lacrosse. I one of the best things about the college cross season is those Sunday night Big Ten games. Um, always got to give the Big Ten Network a hand. Um, ACC Network doing Thursday night lacrosse this year as well. Got to give them a hand as well. Uh, those two conference networks uh, dedicating uh, some really good time slots to lacrosse to get some exposure. Um, but heading into this weekend, so... On Saturday, some big, big things to uh, mention that will be taking place. Um, so, uh, storylines to mention. So, first off, um, a new era begins over in Cambridge, Massachusetts. So I guess from where I am, up in Cambridge, Massachusetts, as as the Jerry Byrne era begins at Harvard. Um, the Crimson <clears throat> me. The Crimson will take on UMass, which is Bones alma mater, on Saturday at one PM. Um, the Minutemen are coming off a big upset win over Ohio State. And uh Jerry Bone and his Harvard Crimson are looking to come in there and uh, start things off on a high note uh, to get the bone era started off. Very, very good. Uh, you know, Hollywood's been kind of underperforming for years with some of the talent they've been able to get under Chris Wojcik. Um, hopefully, Bone can kind of uh, get in there, shake up the culture, and uh, get them to where they can be, um, at least being competitive in the Ivy League. The uh, second, I guess, big storyline of the week to follow is uh, we have a semifinal rematch this weekend as Penn State will host Yale. And I mentioned this in my What to Watch. Uh, it's on lacrossebucket.com right now. But this one, it, last year as well, it's got it all. Um, you got number one versus number three, Penn State's number one, Yale is number three. Public versus private, Pennsylvania versus Connecticut, Big Ten versus Ivy League. 
you've got it all. And you also, it's also a semifinal league match, which is a cherry on top, I must add. Big, big game. If you remember last year, um, Yale won the regular season battle, um, 14 to 13, and then won the semifinal contest. 21 to 17. And we had the big debate um, over how dominant TD Irwin should be allowed to be. And um, yeah. But it's 2020. Both teams have progressed. We have some new faces on each side of the ball for both teams. And honestly, like, and I didn't get to watch Yale um, versus Villanova. I was not going to pay on the Villanova website to watch that. I'm sorry, Villanova. I'm not going to pay to watch a game on your website, on your athletics website. Not going to pay, okay? I got ESPN Plus. Not going to pay to watch games on a um, website like that. On an athletic website. I know a lot of the schools do the same. I believe Monmouth does that. And I'm like, bro, come on. But I, I, I digress from page streams. Um, my continual crusade against them. Um, many have had a crusade against them for years. But um, digressing from that. This, like Whoever wins this contest is going to be number one in the country. Oh, Unless Virginia just absolutely devours Princeton, whoever wins this game will be number one on Monday. Unless Virginia, you know, devours Princeton, as I mentioned, um, they play Princeton on uh, Saturday, but it's the same time as well. This game, I should mention, will be on the Big Ten Network. So if y'all got that, y'all can watch it. Um, hit if you know, ain't gonna be there. Hit that DVR. Um, must watch TV. Probably the biggest game of the year. I, I'm I'm really excited for this one to see just how much. So Gerardo Sari did well against TD in the regular season, but stunk in the. Uh, postseason. So I'm kind of looking to see how does at the faceoff dot, how does that matchup go? But then also, how's this Penn State defense progressed? We know Colby Kinese is a great goalie, right? We know that. I think Penn State's defense has taken steps forward from what I've seen so far this season. But you know, they graduated Chris Sabia, who was their best defenseman. Um, they have guys back, so I think that's always good to keep that gel together. Uh, we'll see what happens here. But remember, Yale absolutely burned Penn State last year in the playoffs. So, and like, hey, Nittany Lions, they ain't forget that. They ain't forgetting that. They ain't forgetting that one bit. They're going to come out. They want to win this ball game. Penn State's never beaten Yale in lacrosse. They've met three times all time. 
Yale has won all three meetings, two of which were last season. The first one was in 2013. And uh, Penn State wasn't so much a lacrosse power uh, back in 2013. Um, and neither was Yale. Well, Yale was starting them. Starting they'll come up. Uh, I guess Penn State was a bit as well, but um, it's 2020 now, and this is this is probably the biggest game of the regular season. And we're just in week three, guys. And y'all, that's just the tip of the iceberg this week because we got more games as well. So um, Penn and Duke. And that one's actually a neutral site game um, in Charlotte, North Carolina at Matthews Sportsplex Stadium. Not really sure why, but it is. Um, we have Johns Hopkins versus North Carolina. So um, Chris Gray, if he's going to go off, I think. You know, Chris Gray, if... if if he's going to really show that he can play against the best of the best, because, um, I mean, he's been great in all against who they played, Colgate, and was it Lafayette, I believe? So he's been good against those teams, but, and most of them, I believe it was. Um, so he's been really good against those teams, so, uh, really good to see how that new UNC offense does against a, a kind of decimated Johns Hopkins defense. I will, I must add, um, Loyola just like ran right through them. Like Hopkins defense looked like Swiss cheese last weekend um, against Loyola. I think really, and we'll see if Epstein plays, but I really think when Joey Epstein went down, um, the whole team, Hopkins' whole team, kind of just was like, oh, uh, you know. It's, I mean, it, it's like the, uh, the 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 alpha dog died. The alpha, like, he's the alpha on that team. Without him, there's there's not much else going on there. Uh, to be honest, they can be really good, but you got to have a leader on that team. I think no one was able to step up on either on either end after he went down, and that's why they lost to the Greyhounds. Um, so we'll see how, how both those teams do um, in that one. Uh, Virginia and Princeton on Saturday. This was a close one last weekend. If you remember, this was Patrick Birkenshaw's coming out party last weekend. He had like 15, 16 saves. It's a uh, 19, was it class in 1950 stadium? I believe is what it's called. At Princeton, it was a stadium record for most saves in a game in that stadium. Um, he's at Penn, so he'll be facing Duke. Uh, transferred to Penn, so he'll be facing Duke uh, this weekend as his old squad faces Princeton. Um, yeah, this is Michael Sowers. I mean, the dude had 14 points against Colgate. He, he was out there snatching souls, y'all. Like, and I think Virginia's defense is going to do a lot better job than Colgate did against him. But I don't know, man. If Princeton beats Virginia, that might be the biggest upset of the season, just to be honest with y'all. 
Because outside of outside of Sowers, Princeton has been a bottom feeder in the in the country for the past couple of years. So that's uh, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see how things go there. But I, I'm excited for that one. Um, and I, I remember, if I remember correctly, it was pretty much of a defensive battle last year, but until like the end and. Virginia kind of turned it on, um, so we'll see. We'll see how how things go in that one. Um, on set on Sunday, uh, two big, a uh, couple big ones. So first off, uh, Cornell plays High Point on Sunday. Um, I'm not as interested in that one as I was last year. Um, did they play last year? I can't remember if they did or not, but. I'm not as interested in that one as I would have been if High Point was on like a run like they were last year. Last year, um, Cornell though coming off a win against Albany, High Point uh, they're coming off a big win uh, against Drexel. So uh, comeback win uh, to be exact, I believe against Drexel. So we'll see how that one shakes. Um, Syracuse and Army. Army coming off that upset loss against Marist. But before that, they were the hottest team in the country. Syracuse has taken down Colgate and Binghamton in um, um, deciding fashion, I should say. Um, blowing out both squads. Uh, Chase Scanlon in this new offense has looked really, really good. Tucker Dordovic is back. Syracuse, they've got the energy, baby. It's gonna be um it's it, it's a good old upstate battle. Um Brennan Nick Tone is, is a fantastic player. Uh why I believe it's Schupler is the, the, the new man between the pipes and army. Pane Vidra, Florida um product. I, I don't know, man. This this is a game I was excited about it, and then Army got blown out by Maris, and I was like, oh, man. This, okay, okay. Rutgers and UMass might not be as good. And we, we knew UMass was going to be as good as they were last year, but Rutgers looked real good in their first two wins, and it's like, man, they might not be as good as we think they are. No, what does that say about those two teams? Um, Army also brought out NJIT, but expect it. So we'll see. We'll see what happens here. Um, I do th- I do expect it to be a closer game. I th- Army it seems like there's always a team that gets hot early. That the 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 midweek games come to bite them. You know, mid- Tuesdays for the hunter, right? The hunter they catch their play on Tuesday in college class. That always seems to happen. So we'll see what happens there. I think this is going to be a really um, a fantastic game, though, um, between those two teams, and they usually do play. Uh, pretty close, um, uh, pretty tight battles when they do meet. Uh, Notre Dame and Richmond. This is one, so Notre Dame got beat by Richmond last season. I like Richmond's coming off a one against Navy. They also beat Marist who beat Army, as I mentioned, on 
last Friday. <clears throat> so we'll see how things go there. Um, Notre Dame, this is the second game of the season. I uh, mentioned Jerry Byrne going over to Harvard. Um, also, um, all the names slips my mind right now, but another assistant went with him there. So Notre Dame having two new assistants there, including Chris Wojcik. Um, it's Chris Wojcik and Ryan Wellner coming over from Harvard and Navy uh, to be assistants under Kevin Corrigan at Notre Dame. So a little bit of a new era feel there. Um, they beat up on Cleveland State last week. So uh, we'll see what they can do against the against the Spiders. Um, you know, I, I, I love Richmond. I think they're one of the um, one of the better mid-major teams this year, um, as they usually are. But I, I just I really like what they're doing, not only on the offensive end, but they can put it together on the defensive end as well. Sean Mangas, um, defenseman for them, I, he's one of the most underrated defenseman in the country. You just watch what he does um, on ball, off ball. He, he's a fantastic defenseman. Ground ball, you know, he, he goes after ground balls like no other. He's a ground ball machine. Um, really sparks transition there in Richmond. They thrive off that. Ryan Lanchbury, um, Mitch Savoka, who is a name that you don't hear a ton but I watched them play in person last year. Mitch Savoka is is one of those guys that doesn't get the mention, but he's the X factor, if you know what I mean. Um, so we'll see what happens there. Notre Dame, I haven't been able to watch Notre Dame this year, so I don't really don't know what to expect from them. I know they beat up on Cleveland State, which I expected that to happen, but uh, so this will I'll be watching this one. This will be my first time seeing Notre Dame this season. Before we get out of here, some other games of interest around the country in the NCAA this weekend. Some of the games, um, other ones to watch here. Um, So, Ohio State at Bucknell is one that I didn't think I was going to have any interest in. But then UMass went and beat Ohio State. And Bucknell is three and O currently. Um, looking at the schedule here, no, the Bison haven't no really been. They were good a few years ago. They I thought they should have made the tournament a few years back, but um, they ended up not. Um, they've they've put up double digits and digits in all of their three wins. Um, sixteen and nine. 16-2-9 at Furman, 11-2-9 at Bryant, 14-2-11 versus Sacred Heart. Now to play Ohio State, Austin Terry um, leading the way for the Bison with 13 points. Uh, Tommy uh, Sapoko, junior attackman, also playing very well, as is Will York, who... Uh, I mean, let's see, what was that? The first game against Furman, he had five goals. So, you know, they, they've got some offense of guys, as they always have. Um, we'll, we'll see what happens here against Ohio State. Um, see if they can bounce back from that loss. <clears throat> D- 
a couple of the, uh, Maryland and Navy is always interesting. I, I, I expect the, so I'll say this, like, and I said this on my weekend recap podcast on Monday is, and I'm, I'm going to reiterate it after this loss they took, like Maryland, like y'all can't, y'all can't get down like that because y'all ain't going to come back like y'all have. They couldn't against Nova, and Nova's a really good team, by the way. Navy, the defense is much improved under Amplo, only in year one. So we'll see what goes on there. Um, a couple other ones here. On Sunday, Jacksonville and Robert Morris uh, could be interesting. Uh, Air Force and Cleveland State. Uh, oh, Albany and Drexel. Albany and Drexel, that was a good one last year, if I remember. Um, Drexel got some really good talent. Obviously, we know what Albany's got with Jake Patterson and um, the Hoke and Anacoke, but uh, Matthew Valian and Colin Mailman um, and Lee Bowling might be the best you know, three seniors senior offensive unit, Villian and Bowling at the attack, and Mailman uh, running the things, uh, delivering the mail from up top at the midfield. Um, might be one of the best in the CAA this year. So uh, we'll see what goes on there. Also, a pretty good goalie in Ross Bronthmall. Uh, Bronthmall, I believe is how you pronounce that. Um, and Jeremiah Cota. Who's a senior face-off man, um, who one of the best in the country. So we'll see what Drexel can do against, um, again, a high-powered Albany offense that hasn't really been as high-powered since the Thompsons left. They just played their first game last weekend. Um, Loyola and Rutgers isn't. Hey, that one's more interesting than it was last year. Uh, when Pat Spencer went off. So uh, two kind of level-headed teams, I think, this year. Loyola, I would give a bit of an edge to just because Rutgers got run out of West Point last weekend. So uh, we'll see how their confidence is. Um, let's see. Any other more interesting one? Stony Brook and Brown could be a good one. Um St. Joseph's in Providence. Providence is 3-0. St. Joseph's coming off a win against um, Delaware, who was ranked at the time. Is, is ranked. Yeah, not, not, not many other D1 games of, of interest besides some of those big ones this weekend and some of the ones I've been mentioning. Um, looking at the Division Two schedule now. Uh, I haven't been able to. I haven't really caught up on D two much yet. Um, we got a Sunshine State Sunshine State Conference contest between Florida Southern and Tampa. Uh, Limestone plays Florida Tech. I expect Limestone to win the Natty this year. Um, if y'all ain't seen Larson Sundown play. Go, go, like, turn on Larson Sundown. 
dude is the truth. Like, no, no joke. Like, he honestly is one of the best D2 players I've I've seen in a while. Like, one of the best players outside of D1 that you, you'll see in a while. He's been really, really good. Um, last year as a freshman, and then uh, certainly this year putting it on again. Um, Division three. Not too much um, yet this weekend um, in terms of D3 games. Uh, Ohio Wesleyan, Illinois Wesleyan um, will be a D1. Illinois Wesleyan has been a program that's kind of been on the rise. Um, they lost to Rhodes in their first game, but they've been a bit on the rise as, as one of the better uh, teams in the Midwest over the past couple of seasons. Uh, they could do some damage um, in May, possibly. York and Stevenson play, and before we get off here, let's let's, let's look up here because I I've not been able to look this up when the Mustang Classic is this year. Um, York and Stevenson probably the best one this weekend. I don't know how Stevenson though. They lost 13-12 against Yosinus uh, last weekend. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll see what they do. York, I love Coach Childs. I think he's, I mean, when I've been asked kind of about, hey, some D3 coaches that could make the jump, I always mention him, Brandon Childs, um, as one of the better coaches. In D3, they beat Washington and Lee 13-9, and then Eastern 11-3 to start their season, Dylan Wolf is um, an unbelievable player. You got this freshman, Will Honick, um, who's playing well for them. Obviously, Salisbury is always the team to beat. Um, in D3, Coach Berkman knows what he's doing. Um, and, you know, that, that that's a, a program that you never want to bet against. Um, one of the Mustang Classic. When is this? Because this is one of the best D3 events of the season. I'll look this up, then we'll get off of here and get on with the rest of the week. So Mustang Classic, March 5th. Oh, no, this is last year's. When is this year's? Okay, here we go. Um, So... Mustang Classic is in March, as usual. Um, March 13th through 14th. Um, it's at Stevenson, as always. Um, Stevenson, will at, at that place, will face Franklin and Marshall. So, FNM. Um, and Denison. And that one. So, that will be the Mustang Classic this year, Franklin and Marshall, uh, Denison both coming there. Um, I don't have the full. If you go on the website, you usually have the full uh, schedule for every team on here, but I don't see that just yet. Um, but it's uh, w one of the best, not only D3 showcases, but one of the best lacrosse showcases overall. Um, with just how 
how well they run things. I've never been able to make it down there, but uh, would uh, definitely on the bucket list of things to do. Go down to that Mustang Classic at Stevenson down in Maryland, March 13th and 14th that weekend. Um, that's it for, for, for this weekend preview. I know it was a long one. Uh, big, big weekend of lacrosse coming up. NLL, NCAA, it's it's going to be a good weekend of lacrosse, y'all. Um, stay tuned. It's 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 going to be a good one. Buckle up. Stay tuned. You know, do what you got to do. Get ready. Um, we're in full, full gear, baby. We're in full gear. NLL is o- over halfway through now. NCAA is just getting started. Um, the MLL schedule actually dropped earlier today as well. I haven't gotten a chance to look at that um, in full, but I'll definitely be talking about that one on the next podcast. Again, thank you all for listening. As always, you find us on social media, at Bucket on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. My personal, at Tanner underscore Dimling. The website, lacrossebucket.com, where it's always lacrosse season.